Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Jason Harris. I know my own name. Ha ha! Good work. Yeah. Comedian, filmmaker, Johnny Asshole Pants. That sounds like the name of a character in a script we would have written when we were uh, in high school. Also, it's just three words put together, much like this film today, claiming the cube. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are talking in this season about the films of 1989, and this episode is about the future cult classic and nonsense word combination, Gleaming the Cube, starring Christian Slater as a skateboarder slash murder solver. Yeah. What a, I bet you could sell that on TV right now. He's a skateboarding detective who ollies his way into <laughs> solving mysteries. It sounds like something that might have been featured on the station in our last episode, UHF. I would, I would probably watch that show. Would you? Yeah. I, I, I wonder if like, that feels like more like the kind of thing that would have been on the air in 1989. Now, like everything is gritty and serialized and you couldn't have just like wacky skateboarding crime solving in every episode. Okay, But at the same time, when I think of Christian Slater right now, he's like Mr. Robot, right? But he's not really Mr. Robot because Mr. Robot is a figment of uh, Rami Malek's imagination or who is his Spoil- dead dad. Spoilers for Mr. Robot. The point is, what he's doing now is no more ridiculous. This are you are you cube. saying that Mr. Robot is equally ridiculous yes, to Gleaming that the Cube? That is exactly what I'm saying. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Take that, Sam Esmeal. Yeah. I I I was thought you were gonna say that Christian Slater, as he is now, should star as the skateboarding detective. I'm with that too. I'm like all for that. Okay. <laughs> so Gleaming the Cube, as we just have indicated, was. A movie about the hot skateboarding culture of 1989, which was, I mean, this is very much one of those movies where someone in Hollywood was like, what are kids doing now? Let's make a movie about it. This is definitely the second wave of, uh, and the height of skateboarding culture. 70s, we know Dogtown and Z-Boys, the Z-Boys, right? Yeah. And then this was the Bones Brigade era with Peralta Powell and uh, Tony Hawk just taking over the world. Tony Hawk taking over this movie at times as well. Yeah. Um, But despite that, this movie was not successful at the box office. It made $2.8 million on its $10 million budget and definitely did not capture the zeitgeist in the way that I'm sure the studio hoped it would. Well, again, though, and I think this is one of the themes of the season is that this is at the home video boom. And it became this is why it's called classic, because it became so popular on cable and with uh vhs tapes and everything so it did its job sometimes you just gotta let it burn baby yeah i mean i don't know if financially it was satisfactory for the backers of the movie I, at any point i will bet you they made between international rights and all yeah. the cable and vhs stuff i'll bet you they made their money they probably made yeah I, I i would believe that but i think for a movie that's clearly designed to be like a pop culture phenomenon and take advantage of some hot trend I think they would have been disappointed with how it well, turned out. Well, yeah, sure, but we've seen plenty of failures of that. So. Well, absolutely, and I mean enough failures of that that you kind of wonder why studios even still bother doing it. And you could have said that about this movie because 1986's Thrashing, I don't think also was a huge hit. I have not seen that. There's another 80s movie I think called Rad, just Rad. Yeah, 
that people often mention in connection with this. I haven't seen either. And of those I movies. will watch all of them. Yeah. And I'll watch all skate movies. I love, I love them. You you, love as you know, skating. this, I, and I love skate documentaries. Yeah. I do. And yeah. I, and, and I have no ability. To skate I was just going to say, like, well, even yeah. in like, in like Nike in 1989, did you ever try? I did try it. I wasn't very good clearly, but like, it's not like, you know, like I used to play basketball and I'll watch basketball movies and be like, Oh, that's awesome. I could see how that, this is just like totally out of my world. Yeah. Yeah. For me too. I mean, I remember having a friend at the time who owned a skateboard. I don't know if he was really necessarily a skater, but it was like, oh, this is a thing. And so he got one. And I think I tried it once or twice and it didn't uh, work out. That's probably what happened to me is like, you try all that stuff and it's like, oh, this is a cool thing. And, you know, but uh, definitely not not good at it no it was not dave did you ever skateboard no i can't even roller skate or anything oh i can't either definitely not skateboarding i feel like i could better handle because at least there's a a board to stand on yeah and i you know and it would have been a good idea i should have reached out to him for this episode do you guys know who justin bishop is in las vegas is he a big skateboarder here he's a huge skateboarder and he's blind and he's like doing all these things with technology um to kind of reteach himself how to skate and uh he's he's sponsored he's getting a huge following and uh again my mistake for not reaching out that would have been a good guess but you guys uh look up justin bishop online very good dude and a, a cool skateboarding story to follow yeah i mean in skateboarding still obviously this was the height of it as a kind of fad but it's still a huge deal i mean it's not like skateboarding disappeared certainly So even though there weren't a ton of people who saw the movie uh, at the time, it was well-received by audiences. It got an A-minus from CinemaScore, the audience polling service, which is a solid result from the people who went to see it. Critic-wise, it did not do as well. Critics were not into this. and, And most of the reviews that I found, which is always funny with this, definitely had an undertone of like, what are the kids doing kind of thing. And you can... See how they're maybe critics are a little out of touch. Richard Harrington in the Washington Post said, Gleaming the Cube is a slight skateboard thriller that looks more like one of those after school specials on television than a bona fide feature film. It centers on teens gathered together in their subculture, skateboarding here, but it could just as well be surfing, dirt biking, dune buggying, or thrash metal, and gives it a little mystery twist. The plot, once uncovered, seems rather odd and convoluted. But maybe that's what director Graham Clifford needed to justify the various skateboard chases. And while Clifford probably thinks Gleaming the Cube is about familial confusions or Vietnamese refugee culture, it's really about chases and the ever-lengthening gaps in Hollywood between fantasy and reality. Incidentally, the chases are pretty good, particularly the ones through a subdivision and out on a freeway. Ridiculous, but good. And I, I kind of agree that that was the only good thing about this movie. And who shot those? Stacey Peralta. Second unit director, Stacey Peralta, who you would want to be shooting your, who's the greatest of all uh, skate video filmmakers. Yes. And director of Dogtown and Z-Boys, among others. Right. Yeah. And and was also the like skating consultant on this movie. As he should be. Yes. And and an original Z-Boy. So. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Although I don't like this. It could have been, you know, you could say that about any movie, like. Well, if Side Out wasn't about volleyball, it could have been about ice hockey. Like, okay, but it wasn't. What's your point, bro? Right. I like the uh, the widening gap between fantasy and reality or something like that. How many movies are like that? Like, 
you know, that's totally normal. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe he's <laughs> saying that, that the reality of skating, that is the reason that made that this movie was made and the fantasy of what we see in the movie is completely like, there's no connection. We, we all agree the best part are those skating. Montages. Yeah. And there just aren't enough of them. There's a lot more plot than there is skating yeah, in this and, movie. And, and there could have been less plot. And also, you know, in our last episode on UHF, you know, I think I was making the point that I think the plot held together. This is a much more difficult plot to follow. Yeah, as as he points out, the plot gets really convoluted and in a really unnecessary way. Very early on, too. Yes. So Janet Maslin in the New York Times said, she's talking about Brian, the character played by Christian Slater. Brian's idea of blowing off steam is executing high-speed flip-flops on his skateboard. Yeah. And he does this on the kind of U-shaped concrete spaces that almost guarantee he will land on his head. Miraculously, the film's skateboard showmanship comes off without a hitch. As Brian, Mr. Slater first appears looking sullen and rebellious, wearing a remarkable hairdo achieved with mousse, bleach, and perhaps electricity. As the story progresses, though, Brian literally and figuratively cleans up his act. He becomes a cleaner-cut, more responsible fellow as he searches for his brother's killer. Though this isn't a great role, Mr. Slater manages to seem confident and alert throughout. And I love that her greatest praise is that Christian Slater he's is, alert. in fact, not asleep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he's he's busy on the skateboard doing whirly birds and zips apps. Yes. So how can you? <laughs> like, she's never seen spiked hair before at this point in time. Yeah. Like I said, these stodgy critics were not in touch with the teen skateboarding culture. Janet Maslin doesn't seem to have been in touch with anything in this review. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, hair. Yeah. Like... Um, and I don't think she understood why he cleaned up his image in the film, which was to advance his cause to solve his brother's murder. Right. Well, she does say that as he searches for his brother's killer. No, but she just but she kind of she says as he does it, not to advance his right. cause to do it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. There is a clear reason for him to do that. Um, so finally, Kevin Thomas in the L.A. Times said. There is a genuine attempt in Gleaming the Cube to deal with the impact the loss of a brother has upon a likable, footloose teenager. Unfortunately, the conventions of the action-adventure-slash-youth-flick genres prevail. The result is an exploitation picture with a little something extra. Lots of awesome skateboard wizardry, culminating in a speed-of-lightning chase sequence in which skateboards are pitted against cars. The film is geared ruthlessly to teen audiences. In fact, how many people beyond their teens know that its title refers to that exalted state a skateboarder attains at the top of his form? I don't think even teenagers knew what that meant. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Definitely yeah. no one knew. Right. Um, yeah, look, there was, so yeah, his adopted Vietnamese brother gets murdered. It would have been just so much easier to be like, hey, why don't we make one of the skate gang get murdered and the rest of the skaters like have to avenge their buddy, you know? You could have cut out so much of the crap. I mean, and, you could also make a movie in which no one gets murdered. Right. Uh, uh, you could. And then it was, again, we could go back to like, we have to skate to save the park. Right. You know? And that would have been fine. And, and, and because like the reason that they make the movie about skating culture is because it's like a thing that teens do that's misunderstood. You'd think the plot would hinge on that. And it's really not about that. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I'm happy that you agree that more skating would have been, would have done this movie well yeah absolutely so had you ever seen this before no and it's incredibly difficult to find as we found out <laughs> it is it, and weirdly though with the current 
bizarre landscape of streaming, it was incredibly easy to find. Like three days before we tried to watch until it. Until it was impossible to find. Yeah. Because um, it was streaming in various places. And, and as of this recording, at least, it is no longer. And DVD releases are out of print or foreign. And you can find VHS copies on uh, eBay and whatnot, but they're not cheap. So... Yeah, this is a movie. I mean, I feel like part of movies building cult following sometimes is that they're hard to find. And so the people who find them like have this sense of discovery, especially back in the tape trading days. And um, what about you? Have you had you seen it? I had never seen it. I had a vague awareness of it, partly because of the silly title. Well, yeah, it's such a pop cultural like I mean, I could say I could totally see myself looking at it like a skater dude in the audience be like you go gleam in the cube today or whatnot you know hopefully funnier than that but uh you know, <laughs> did, have you said you've seen it did i you hadn't watch even it? heard of it and you guys say it's a cult classic but i had never heard of this movie so then you clearly watched it because you were preparing for this episode am i supposed to do that no hey man he watched uhf for like <laughs> Which the was his seventh pick. time was his pick <laughs> i feel like he may have watched at least three movies this season so we're getting we're getting better or are we getting worse, Josh? No, it's definitely better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did not know anything uh, other than that it was the Christian Slater skateboarding movie. And, uh, and that was all I knew about it. But we learned so much more. Greetings and salutations. Yeah, we talked about Christian Slater in Heathers a few episodes ago. And I still, like, in my mind, was kind of envisioning him as JD from Heather's, even though this is a very, very different character. Right. What a year. It's like uh, one, one role could shoot you up the ladder and the other could destroy your career. Yeah. Although, I mean, Heather's too was not a success when it came out. I mean, both of those movies have become cult figures later on. Heather's certainly with a lot more regard for its quality, but still neither one was a big hit. And as Janet Maslin might be aware, Christian Slater, also awake in Heather's. Yes, I would. I would venture to say Christian Slater awake in every movie he's made. <laughs> but I haven't watched the entire filmography of Christian Slater, so I can't confirm that. But I think it's a you know you're a well respected film critic. Oh, it's, thank you. It's probably worth uh, probably worth taking your word on that for. Yeah, I was. I thought you were going to say maybe I should embark on a long term project, Christian Slater, <laughs> alert or not. <laughs> In every movie. Yeah. And, then, and then that's it. It's instead of an essay, you just put uh, you put the title of the movie and then Christian Slater and underneath there's on one side it says alert and on the other side it says not. And you just circle the answer. Yeah, that definitely would be less work, but involve a lot of movie watching. Um, do you have any other? Uh, I didn't find a lot of other statistics or, or numbers on how this movie did. It did not win any awards. Hmm, what a bummer. Yeah. Um, do there you want to know how the term came about? There, there was an article somewhere. Was it in Thrasher or one of those yeah, skating magazines? 1983. Yeah. But even then, I feel like that's probably some random thing that some stoned skater like tossed off and then forgot about. Yeah. He could have just as easily said, have you ever haunched the pony? <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. And some studio executive had that magazine on his desk <laughs> and like, that oh this is a thing that gleaming the kids the say the yeah. yeah gleaming the cube that's the title of our movie yeah <laughs> have you ever snorted the pixies right <laughs> i have one little thing to add to the conversation okay and that is that i saw that an alternate title for it was skate or die yes which the year before was the name of one of the best skating video games ever on nintendo entertainment oh, i System. remember that video so game actually i wonder if that had anything to do with the change of the title yeah um, it might have that's certainly a more like accurate title and i feel like that would be just as 
I mean, enticing to some movie audience in a theater in 1989. But yeah, Skater Dies, like right now, I would like that title. There was another title. I think it was called like A Brother's Revenge or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, which that's a boring title. Yeah, but no, but but Gleaming the Cube is what we got. Gleaming the Cube. Including, I right, if it was Skate or Die, we wouldn't have had that awesome theme song that opens the movie. Skate or Die. Not as good. See, no. not as good. No. All right. Well, we'll come back and talk about our general thoughts on Gleaming the Cube. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1989, we're talking about cult classic Gleaming <laughs> the Cube. That, yes. <laughs> this is a very bad movie. It's not, it's not so good. No, it's really not. I feel like this is one of those movies that is better if you like imagine it in your mind than if you actually watch it. <laughs> like Dave having not seen it, had a better experience of it than you and I did. Yeah, it's not the best. <laughs> as, as we kind of were talking a little earlier, the plot here, Christian Slater, Brian, he's a skater boy and uh, has got his gang of skater friends, kind of a burnout loser. Yeah, yeah. But can we just say, yeah, in this gang of skater friends, is the greatest skater of all time. And what do they have him do in the movie? He delivers pizzas. Drive a pizza truck. <laughs> so I'll, you have Tony Hawk and you say, Tony, why don't you sit out the skating and we'll let the other fellas take care of it. I mean, he does skate at certain points, but yes, his character is a pizza delivery guy who has the great pizza hut, the like red truck with the actual like pizza hut roof on it, which is kind of awesome. I don't know why they don't have that. Also anymore. in his room, he's got multiple landlines and he's a teenager. It's very strange. Yeah. That was just like some real like wacky detail that doesn't come off. Yeah. Uh, but mainly we're, we're following Brian who has his adopted brother, Vin or Vinny, uh, who's Vietnamese that has been adopted by his parents. And, and Vin is the good brother. He does well in school while Brian is burnout. Uh, and Vin is also involved in uh, some sort of uh, black markety aid delivery to well, the Vietnamese anti-communist uh, rebels. He discovers it. He's not involved. Well, at first it. he's involved in the more legit part of it, where they're sending like medical supplies uh, to these Vietnamese freedom fighters. Vin's not a bad guy. Vin discovers all these that bad things about right. his girlfriend's father, who is... Who I thought just ran a video store, but right. But he runs a video store and he sends legitimate like supplies, weapons. But then he also sends like the legitimate sub uh, right. uh, shipments are a cover for sending weapons. So Vin discovers that and becomes collateral damage, even though his uh, the girlfriend's dad doesn't want him killed. The guy, the the henchman, accidentally kills. Him. Yeah, with a wet T-shirt. Yeah. Also, there's a line in there that, like, if you want to talk about exposition, where he's like, uh, Vin and Brian are in the room together, like, having a little argument, and Vin's like, you're still angry because they adopted me, and Brian's like, that was 11 years ago. Yeah, like, let me calculate that right now. Yeah, but, like, I mean, dude, like, Vin, chill the F out, bro. I don't think he's angry at you about that. No, I mean, and part of the plot of the movie is that while he seems sort of resentful of Vin at first, when Vin gets murdered he really like discovers his love for his brother and decides that he needs to solve this murder, especially because the cops are calling it a suicide. And Brian's parents, who are barely characters in the movie, don't really seem to care that much that their son 
is dead? I don't think it's there. I don't think it's that. I just think that the writers didn't write them any parts for them to care. Right. Well, that's what, but it comes across as if they don't have any involvement. When we were watching it, I thought like, there was a point where I was like, I hope every scene the mom walks in and just drops something and breaks it. Like she's so surprised that like, you know, uh, Brian's new haircut or something. She's like, what? (laughs) That was basically her entire part. Yes. And the dad was, you know, I'm a businessman. I don't have time for this. And, but I'm hurting. Yeah. He has that one scene where he's uh, sitting alone in the kitchen, watching home movies of Brian and Vin in the home movie. The dad is yelling at Brian. And this is the like sentimental thing that he watches to remember his son. Remember when Vin was here and you were just a piece of shit. And I like to scream at you about Frisbee. Yeah. Because you suck at life, Brian. Why couldn't it have been you who was murdered? My biological son. Yeah. It's, it's, it's misguided. So. Scream in the cube. It does have that though. Um, So Brian enlists the help of his skater friends, as well as the the detective played by Stephen Bauer from Scarface. Stephen Bauer. Who is the only person who gives Brian the time of day because he's like a cool detective. He used to be a burnout himself, but then he shaped up. Brian, I used to make mistakes. I know what it's like to be a teenager. Yeah. I relate to you. I'm a cop, but I wear (laughs) T-shirts. Brian, you think this is uniform coat? I'm in jeans right now, Brian. Okay? We're doing the same. (laughs) And so he kind of tries to help Brian, and Brian has to discover the secret weapons deal in this warehouse run by... uh, George Costanza's Right, George Costanza's (laughs) boss. um, Richard Richard Hurd is the name of the actor who plays Lawndale, the, the white guy, Yeah, who is in cahoots with uh, Vin's boss from the video mm-hmm. store, the Colonel, who spends all his time wearing Los Angeles Rams gear, yeah. which is one of the most absurd, hilarious details in but, this movie. You know, he's acclimating to the his city and showing pride in his sports team. And that's true. Costanza's boss, speaking of sports, was his boss from the Yankees, who gave him the instruction to listen to the song "Downtown" to find out how to do his project, and then, uh, and then actually. Uh, torpedoed his own job so he could go work for the Mets instead of George Costanza. All not relevant to Gleaming the Cube. Is anything <laughs> relevant to Gleaming the Cube? I haven't understood a thing you two said this whole time. So. <laughs> I was trying to explain the plot, but the plot is so it's, complicated it, for no reason. It's a real Johnny asshole pants. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and you notice that I have not really mentioned skating at all but getting back to the plot josh please let's you left out a key element which is that uh brian to solve this mystery decides he will swoop in on his dead brother's girlfriend to pick up information of course they both kind of fall for each other. But he's really using her in kind of a crappy way. It seems very nefarious. Yeah. Indeed. He pretends to want to date her so that he can snoop in her dad's office and steal his Rams hat so he can plant it at the scene of an explosion and frame the dad in a whole development that I did not understand at all. He also stole the lighter, which I was guessing was supposed to play into the explosion, but he didn't leave it there, and then it was just for the girlfriend to discover. Right. And she's like, why did you steal this? And he's like, well, your dad is running a guerrilla operation, uh, you know, importing and exporting weapons, and also he murdered my brother. 
which uh, she he never really says all that, but he just says like, "You're not gonna like what happened." Right. Tell well, you. we assume because we've watched the pod. But the best is before he tells her the truth. She says, why do you have this lighter? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I, I got it at a thrift store or something. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, it's engraved with my dad's name. Like, how yeah, did he think that, gave it to him that lie was going to work? Brian, what kind of line is that, man? You just got to tell the truth to the girls, man. That's all they want to hear. Listen, I like girls too, Brian. <laughs> and, and, and ultimately, you think that the, the central kind of bonding in this movie would be between Brian and, and the girlfriend but it turns out to be between Brian and Detective Stephen Bauer. That's how the movie ends with yeah. their like mentor relationship. You gotta make some changes, right, Brian? Make some adjustments. <laughs> so there is skating in the movie, though. There is some skating and some really good skating. There is some really good skating. And, and as we were saying before, there should have been way more skating. There, there was, look, why are you gonna have a cube if you're not gonna gleam it? <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Um, there should have been more skating. Also, uh, one of the friends, Yabo. Yabo, played by Max Perlick, who went on to be a character, character actor, yeah. still working a lot. Yeah, he uh, has his own bunker. The bunker was great. All of a <laughs> yeah. sudden, they're climbing underground into this bunker where he skates. Right, but it's not like he has a bunker because, like, oh, he's a survivalist or he has nowhere else to live. His bunker's on his family's property. Like, they're all having dinner Mom and dad and like sister. Mom played by Rita Rudner. It was Rita Rudner, <laughs> yeah. huh? So yeah. they're all hanging out, and then he's and then Brian comes over and he's like, Yeah, yeah, let's go talk in my bunker. <laughs> and they just go underground, like right by the pool or something. And like that's that. like where he lives in this yeah. bunker. And I was kind of imagining like maybe his family, because there he he seems like his family is maybe a little wealthy. And maybe they built this as a bomb shelter or something. And then their dirtbag teenage son was like, no, uh, mom, I'm going to go live in the bunker. <laughs> See, and I just thought it was like whatever from like communist scare of the 50s and 60s. And whenever they bought the house, it already had a bunker. And he, he but he got to the same conclusion where he's like, a bunker, it's mine now. Skating. I think we needed more bunker backstory for, and that, that was, for Yabo. Is that was that his name? Yabo? Yabo yeah. yeah. And, and he was the one who said, like, who explained what gleaming the cube is in a completely random throwaway piece of right. uh, exposition. I think he tells, doesn't he? He tells Brian, he's like, Man, you've really been gleaming the cube or no, something. I think like he that. says it, no, it's not or that he it's wants that, to be gleaming the cube. Right, because he's so sad with what you know, Oh, he needs you to, need do to some, go gleam the cube. Yeah. You know, what does that mean? It's like so when you skate and you're just in the zone and there's nothing else around you, you gleam in the cube. And then he goes and skates under like a boardwalk or something. Right, like right. Yeah, that's true. It's to like kind of clear his head or whatever. Yeah. And that, those skate scenes are good. Like the best parts in this movie are, as I think one of those reviews mentioned, the kind of skate chases through the suburban streets or, I mean, the finale is so over the top that I, it's maybe, I don't know if that's best where the skaters are like chasing after cars and they're on the freeway. It's, and It's great. It's, I don't think great is the word that I would okay, use for it. Okay, but it's, it's uh, what it should be. I, yeah, I suppose. Well I mean, it, executed for it. it. Yeah, and at least if you're going to have a skate movie, like it's skating. And of course, the way that Brian finally defeats George Costanza's boss, who's holding a gun to the head of the girl, is that Brian like jumps on his skateboard off some ramp or something and knocks the guy in the head with his yeah. skateboard. A highway ramp. Oh, there they you go. Whip yeah. They whip him. Uh, and then he does it, but, and you know, Tony Hawk's never done that. So yeah. Brian Kelly, greatest skateboarder of Maybe, all time. Yeah. If that was like in the X games, can you <laughs> eliminate a villain 
what with only a skateboard jump, he'd be an X Games gold medalist. Really right add now. that? I feel like cube gleaming should be a new category in the X Games, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be so amazing. Like even if they just did it as a joke, like I would totally watch that. Yes, I uh, I would too. Um, so as we said, but I mean, there's a lot of like great skateboarders who were involved in making this movie. Stacy Peralta is the second unit director and the skating consultant and a whole list of some of those Z boys. Tommy and, Guerrero. Yeah. Who's like Brian's personal coach. And then, uh, you had, uh, some of the other bones brigade guys, Mike McGill, Rodney Mullen as, um, the kind of stunt doubles. So, but yeah, they, 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 they were, they were the most professional part of the film probably. So. <laughs> yes, they were. And there definitely should have been. Uh, more of those guys because I mean, and this is a movie where like during the closing credits, they're just like, here's some more skateboarding. And it's like that. Why wasn't that in the movie? Yeah, that should have been in the movie. <laughs> okay. The one skateboarder that I also wanted to mention, and I told you like, you know, I love watching these skate documentaries. There's this cool stunt in that big climax where Brian skates under a semi truck that's on the highway that's driving right yes pretty dangerous stunt it looked, yeah it looked, brian come on man yeah so that Have was some care for your health that was done by a um, gator mark rogowski do you know who that yeah, is? yeah i've seen the documentary about him yeah stoke the rise and fall of gator yeah you know about this guy Mm-mm. he was a professional skater who got mixed up with drugs and alcohol and then uh beat raped and murdered a woman and he's in jail uh i mean as long as he at least 25 year sentence probably longer and i think they're gonna parole him this year which is a little just in time to star in gleaming the cube right. too but i mean that that's a good movie a very horrible story yeah but stoked is a good uh skate documentary right yeah uh, and, and you know like man what a what a fall from cube gleaming <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful when you gleam the cube because it could turn out poorly for you. You keep chasing that next gleam and uh, you never know where it's going to lead you. Very good point. Um, I also wanted to mention, this was something that you pointed out when we were watching it, is these covers of Motown songs that show up and they are, they are sung by Vietnamese pop star Khan Ha. And this movie, for all of its ridiculousness and faults, is remarkably respectful about Vietnamese culture. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I knew both the songs. There was, uh, well, well, now I don't remember, but I, one was Never Can Say Goodbye, the Jackson 5 cover, and the other was the Supremes cover, if I'm not mistaken. Right, and they, yeah. they got those specifically from her, and, and you wouldn't necessarily even know that as you listen to them in the movie, but I looked it up in part because you'd mentioned it. But other, uh, elsewhere in the movie, like when we have Vin's funeral, and even though he's been adopted by this white family, we have this whole Vietnamese cultural sort of representation there at the funeral. And the movie takes seriously the idea of this Vietnamese. I mean, in its ridiculous context, it takes seriously the idea of this Vietnamese kind of refugee community within Orange County in Southern California. Yeah, listen, I agree with you. The movie was ahead of its time. It was in a, in a weird way, kind of ahead of its time. I feel like the, the, the default, especially in this, in the eighties, when we had like Chuck Norris and Sylvester Stallone traveling to Vietnam and just murdering everyone there, that was the default representation of, of, of Vietnamese people in the movies. So it was kind of progressive in a way. Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. I'm trying to give it credit for some things. <laughs> you, you are. I'm giving you, I'll give you that. Yeah. What did you think of Christian Slater's acting aside from being alert. awake? Alert. Yeah. I mean, like it's not as good as heather's yeah he's fine in it but like it was like i think you know there the 80s there were so many of these like 
uh, you know, vying to be the next bad boy. Like literally every year there's a crop of them more, more so than now. And maybe this was the way to be like, I played this kind of like really, you know, kind of dark edgy dude over here. And now I can play another kind of skate Lord edgy dude over here. I don't know. I, I, he was fine. He was totally fine. Yeah. He's fine. I mean, Brian is more of a, as yeah, maybe he's an edgy skater, but he's like a good guy. I mean, he's definitely the hero of this I movie. I definitely don't understand like halfway through where he just starts like wearing khakis. But well, as you were saying, this is part of his ploy to get with his brother's ex-girlfriend so that he can use her to find information. And because she doesn't want to date a skating dirtbag, he decides to change his look and become a preppy guy. But it is it is a little uh sloppy in terms of motivation yeah um i think christian slater when they asked him what it meant uh gleaming the cube he said it's uh pushing your limits to the edge which if you're pushing your limits where else are you gonna right push them? that makes no sense that makes as much sense as just saying well it's gleaming the cube <laughs> yeah man punch <laughs> the pony that's I'm glad you came up. Did you come up with other variations? Just snarf the pixies. All right. Those are good I didn't ones. really work on them. No, much, maybe, so. maybe workshop that for, uh, for your act or something. <laughs> yes. The gleaming the cube joke. That's going to, it's going to go over big. Yeah. It's really going to any of you out there ever have a adopted Vietnamese family <laughs> member murdered by a anti-communist pack. <laughs> Ever have to solve that mystery with a bunch of your skateboarding buddies. Maybe go down to a bunker on a property and steal your dead brother's girlfriend. Well, then you're going to love this joke. <laughs> Very relatable, everything in this movie. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I don't know what else to say about this. Uh, so do you want to give it, do you want to give it based on cubes? Or? Yeah, cubes. There are no gleamed, cubes in this gleamed movie. Cubes. Gleamed cubes. How many gleamed cubes I'm out of five? I'm going to give it two gleamed cubes for the skating and the the theme song <laughs> the theme song is great we should mention yeah. again how great the theme song Gleaming is the cube. just I'm watch sorry. the first like two minutes yeah. of this movie to hear that song and then turn it off i yeah i agree two out of five is 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 generous i yeah. think that's the most i can give it and and the skating really is the only uh thing this movie has going for it so we'll come back then and talk about the legacy of gleaming the cube Wonder. See? That's my feet! And horror. The military advised that the flesh-eating pigeons can only be stopped by destroying the brainstem, and that they do not poop. That makes no sense. Why did they do that? One podcast fights the forces of evil. The new and improved diabolical disintegrating death ray! <laughs> Triumphs over adversity. Now I'm not sure how to pronounce this word. And brings hope. Live your life. Joy. <laughs> and silliness. Perfectly normal. That podcast is Release <laughs> the <laughs> Clowns. Coming to ears near your head now. Release the Clowns sketch comedy podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and all reputable platforms. Oh, this is most pleasing. Yes, quite marvelous. Ooh, this is
Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1989, we've been talking about cult classic Gleaming the Cube. And the legacy, I guess, is that it's a cult. I don't know anyone who actually likes this movie. Or I found one person. skateboarder Stevie Williams said this influenced him. And yeah. I bet there's a lot of skateboarders who would say the same. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's definitely influential within skating culture. Maybe not for its quality as a film, but just for the way that it represented skating in a mainstream way that didn't happen before this. And I think the other legacy is just how often it's referenced in pop culture to this day, which is why we chose it as the cult classic. You know, two episodes of The Simpsons referenced it. Um, the Lego Batman movie, which was recent. The Goldbergs, um, and then um, my two favorites are um, South Park, the episode where uh, Cartman needs to make more mature friends and goes into a man-boy love chat room. The chat room is called Gleaming the Cube, which is somewhat horrible. I forgot all about that. That's where I've heard this name before. (laughs) Right, I think that is that, like you're saying, the the dumb title of this movie is is has the the legacy so much than more than the movie itself that people know like there's this ridiculous movie called Gleaming the Cube even if they don't know what that yeah, is yeah I knew about it since high school having never seen it you know right but then in uh in the second season of Robot Chicken they had Christian Slater guest star as a character called Skater McGee and the uh, Skater McGee was talking about a trick called a monster cookie pinwheel <laughs> and they're like what's a monster cookie pinwheel and he says a monster cookie pinwheel is when you skate up to a locomotive cow catch you 360 punk buster the second car do a lemonade handstand onto the third car a whipping post ollie to the fourth car a demon stomper on the fifth car and a gleamingly cube off the sixth car before dismounting the train so i think that's a fun uh gleaming the cube reference yeah i mean and there are like legit skateboard tricks that all have stupid names so in that sense it's it's I think you could, you know, uh, interchange um, skateboarding moves with uh, uh, dirty sex act games. <laughs> yes. You know, you don't you want the cube you, could totally be a sex act. It could. It know? absolutely could. So, and, um, you know, and uh, the dirty Sanchez could be a, uh, a, a skateboarding maneuver. That is, that is true. It probably is. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, to give this movie its due, it, it is an influential thing as, among skateboarders. And it does have all of these major skateboarders in it. And that if you were interested in skating culture and you wanted to see Tony Hawk or whatever, this is a movie that you would want to watch. And I think that was part of what uh, was so much fun about the 80s. The 90s, too, is like you could see these movies about subcultures. Some were more effective than others, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Like to me, like the Mighty Ducks is a great movie about like hockey, you know, but, you know, and kids, you know, teenagers playing it. But it's fun to explore all these like kind of weird subcultures and uh, Gleaming the Cube decided not really to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's a good example of that idea that that Hollywood producers still do where they kind of grab onto something that teenagers are doing and they don't really understand it and they try to fit it into a movie formula. Yeah. We gotta we gotta save the school by all doing TikTok videos. Right. When is the TikTok movie coming? I'm sure it'll be about as relevant as Gleaming the Cube. But it might not become a cult classic. It might not, sadly. As as we talked about kind of briefly, this is a big launch or part of the big launching pad for Christian Slater as this 
teen rebel icon, the James Dean of his day or something like that. I mean, he did become a big star and a big teen idol, even if this movie wasn't huge. Yeah. But other than Heather's, do you have a favorite Christian Slater movie or performance? Uh, true romance i guess yeah I, I haven't seen true romance in a long time but um i i think christian slater like obviously i love heathers i do think christian slater is a bit of a one-dimensional actor and maybe only now with things he's like mr more, robot yeah, he's yeah. trying to really branch out but i mean he also had like he had this brief kind of teen idol moment and then he had a long lull of doing bad like straight Action to video movies, movies and yeah. yeah stuff like that i remember seeing him in some Stephen King movie called Dolan's Cadillac that's just dreadful. And and now he seems to be getting more respect uh, in thanks in large part to Mr. Robot. But I mean, I think of, which I actually haven't seen, but like Pump Up the Volume, which is another movie where he plays like a bad boy teen rebel and that was all about like a subculture that probably was misunderstood. But I have not seen that movie. I always wanted to remake that. Like that was always a pitch on my mind of, pump up the volume and now he's like the podcaster who knows all yeah. the stuff and everything we're just so. like christian slater and pump up the volume do you uh with our rebel podcast <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> do you have any favorite christian slater films dave probably just heathers honestly that's but, a good pick yeah yeah heathers is good okay the other question i wanted to ask yes as you know there's there are a lot of great skate movies out there, both, uh, you know, not as many narrative. Yeah, I think it's mostly documentaries. Is, is there did you come up with a good skating narrative movie? Um, well, yeah, there is. OK, one, but it's not but it's not going to be one that you like. Right. It's the one you got to watch as like if you want to understand this time and culture, which was the Bones Brigade movie, The Search for Animal Chin. Which is, um, like I said, it's... Um, and that's a narrative movie? Yeah. I haven't heard of that, actually. Because it's not... It's like a skate video, but it's like one with a plot and like the Bones Brigade's doing wacky... It probably led to like if Jackass decided to do a narrative movie instead of all pranks. Um, and well, Is that I mean, directed by Stacey Peralta? I think it is. Yeah. Um, well, Back to the Future, does that count as a skate movie? Or? I mean, I think Back to the Future is not a skate movie, but that's something where... They incorporated, they did a better job where someone probably along the line in development was like, teen skateboard, let's have our teen main character skateboard. Yeah. But it's not what the movie is about. It's just a thing that he does and it's kind of like part of his character and it's not intrusive. Paranoid Park? Oh, the Gus Van Zandt film? Yeah. Which is also a murder mystery, isn't it? I haven't seen it. I haven't either, but that was, I, I was looking, you know, like I, I had mentioned Thrashing. Josh right. Brolin, nineteen eighty six. Oh, so. Josh Brolin, nice. Dragon Slayer, big big stuff there. And then, um, yeah, the the documentaries. There are so many good ones. Yeah, but, I mean, like Dogtown is uh, to me. Dogtown and Z Boys is one of the great documentaries of all, like of my of all the documentaries ever. Meanwhile, like Lords of Dogtown, which right, had, the like, narrative version, not that good. Mid nineties, yeah. I didn't really like that much. Mid nineties is all right. Great. Yeah, I, I would, I would give mid nineties a cre- credit, and, and that's a movie that seems to have a better handle on the actual culture of it. Yeah, it's all right. Um, and then if we're gonna go back to, we had mentioned Stoked, the Gator movie. Um, I mean, dude, Minding the Gap. That's a that's a great. Okay, movie. yeah, my, I mean, uh, documentary wise, yeah. Minding the Gap is fantastic. Yeah. Yes, and that's a movie that really gets like delves into the emotional nature of it like what skateboarding gives to these people in in their yeah, difficult lives how they gleam the cute and then they, it's their release they do i think it was really restrained on their part to not mention gleaming the cube in minding the gap that's true um the other one i was going to mention is all this mayhem about the 
Australian brothers who are like became skate sensations and then one also went on to become like a drug addict murderer. No, man, so many murder documentaries about skaters. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. It was good. Yeah. Yes. Obviously, there's a huge legacy of skateboarding. And because in part two, because skateboarding wasn't just a fad that ended, you know, a year after this movie came out, but became a legitimate sport and things like the X Games and even isn't even in, in the Olympics now skateboarding. Maybe uh, not. I don't know. But it's certainly considered legit. I mean, Tony Hawk is a well-respected oh, yeah. athlete, not Whoa. just like a weird guy from the 80s. And a crossover star. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And Josh, did you um have you ever heard of Skate Kitchen? That was like, I think, like from last year. Yeah. And that's another one that's supposed to really delve deep into the subculture uh, in New York City and what skating means to that area i've never seen it but that that's one i'm interested in checking. yeah out. i haven't seen that either but i had heard a lot about that and that's about i think involves like female skaters and how they deal with it and it's there's a, a narrative tv series version that's coming or maybe has premiered by the time we're releasing well, this if episode it's anything as good as a lords of dogtown then we're all in good <laughs> yeah hopefully it's it's better than that i did briefly want to again acknowledge that this this movie treats vietnamese culture with respect and that's that's important part of its legacy as well yeah in, in again in a time when every movie that involved representing vietnamese culture and vietnamese people was about killing them yeah other than trying to steal your dead vietnamese brothers uh vietnamese girlfriend who was very respectful i mean ultimately he was respectful of her you know he gave her like a kiss on the cheek at the end of the movie and that was it yeah and uh and when she said how am i ever going to go back to school he's like when i get out of the hospital we'll go together yeah and, and he holds her hand and yeah and then and uh, he did kill her dad but or cause her no, dad he to did. get killed he did. no the, the george costanza's yeah. boss did but yeah. it was really his meddling that kind of got her dad killed well i, I told you brian like you gotta chill out a little man this is, you can't just be a skateboarding cube gleaming forever, man. So is that that Stephen Bauer? I guess I don't really know anymore. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, we can end. That's gleaming the cube, and that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Skate on to our social media. Boom! Do an ollie over to Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram, or J Harris Comedy on the Twitter. Uh, go for jason.com beautiful website you'll see it one day um and then awesome movie here on facebook and instagram awesome movie pod on twitter awesomemovieyear.com that's up and running yeah it's working you can find me at joshbellhateseverything.com josh bell hates everything on facebook and at signal bleed on twitter and listen to our producer david rosen's awesome podcast piecing it together you can find Piecing It Together wherever you listen to this podcast and find us on social media at Piecing Pod. What are we doing next time, Jason? Oh, Josh, you know we love our listeners, don't you? Do I you, do know that. Do yes. you love them, Josh? I love them so much. I love them all, Josh. All two of them. There's way more than that, Josh. You might not know this, but Dave and I looked it up. We were the 48th ranked uh, film history podcast in the United States not too long ago. That is such an accomplishment. We gleamed the cube on that so hard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have our uh, yearly seasonly audience <laughs> choice. And for season three, we decided to do big sequels because there were so many big sequels. This was like a blockbuster bonanza year. Huge, man. And uh, the winner was Lethal Weapon 2. So we're going to talk about Lethal Weapon 2? Lethal Weapon 2! <laughs> <laughs>
So tune in next time for Lethal Weapon 2. Thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west.